Hey, what's up, guys? This is Two Nerd Sports. Uh, once again, I am Lee, and this is... And I'm Joel. And uh, this is going to be a, a more personal video. Um, a little bit before we start, uh, just going to state that we are going to be covering some more adult uh, theme. Content. Yeah, yeah, more adult content, uh, just because of the matters that have gone on, and I'm sure uh, anyone who read the title can re uh, can understand that this is going to be uh, my rant about uh, formerly being a Texans fan. Now, I also want to state that I am a fan of Houston. I love Houston. It is a fantastic city. I loved living there. It was amazing. The sports are another thing. And specifically for me, the Houston Texans. <clears throat> now, everything that I state here, I hope gets fixed for the Texans' sake. But I will state now that there is... I can't do it to myself to root for this team anymore. I cannot support nor root for this team because of the things that have happened during this offseason and things that we have found out that have happened previously. So let's get into it. Um, <clears throat> let's start off. Um, I want to start this off as more of a... Um, more of like a timeline of my last year of fandom ship uh and what better place to start than january 12th 2020 houston texas is gonna be a brutal journey yeah it, it's it, gonna be a brutal journey it is it is uh but yes january 12th 2020 the houston texans versus the kansas city chiefs in the divisional round of the playoffs so, uh, the Texans go up 24 to nothing in the first quarter. The Chiefs do not look like themselves. Uh, the Texans are just, they're just running away with the game at this point. I remember Joel and I, we were sitting in my apartment watching the game. And I was just like, are, are, are we going to do it? Are we going to the Super Bowl? Are we beating the Chiefs? I was just like... And he was bouncing up and down happens. the whole game, like that whole first quarter. He's just bouncing up and down. <laughs> yeah, and then the second quarter happens. O'Brien goes to a prevent defense and a very conservative offensive style of game. Doesn't go for it anymore on fourth downs. Doesn't take any risks at all. And I actually had to look up the final score because I could not remember it. It was 51 to 31. The could Texans, you block that one out? Could you block that one out of the mind? Yeah. Yeah. No, for real though. Like the, te and the Texans defense was not garbage. Like in 2019, it was last year. It was 100% garbage last year, but previously it was not that bad. Should not have allowed 51 points in three quarters. 
And another thing is that is if the Chiefs had started off this slow or this bad in any other game that offseason or that that postseason during those playoffs, if they had looked this bad against any other team that were legitimate, they would have easily have lost. And we actually found out this year that that is actually very true because that's what happened with them versus the Buccaneers. And the Buccaneers did one crucial thing that the Texans did not. They didn't let off the gas. They continued scoring. And they continued playing great defense. They continued trying to get takeovers. They continued trugging and, and, and pushing along and making sure that the Chiefs knew that they were not going to win. That is what the Texans should have done. Because in the first quarter, that's what it looked like. And then it all fell apart. And in that moment, Joel can attest to this, by the way. In that moment, I think it was like maybe like the third quarter, I was screaming to fire Bill O'Brien. I, I wanted that man's head on a spike in front of my apartment. He did. I, he said it. He said I, that exact line. I I was I was beyond infuriated. But I'm like, okay. Terrible, terrible, terrible game. Let's move on. Let's you know first really legitimate year with Deshaun Watson, like let's, you know, maybe we do better next year, right? And then the DeAndre Hopkins trade happened. And then I was really, really, really mad. As I'm sure a lot of Houston Texans fans were. Uh, It was not easy seeing DeAndre Hopkins go. Now, I understood the reasonings to get rid of him if he was being cancerous in the locker room like if he was so against bill o'brien and cal mcnair really wanted to keep bill o'brien i get wanting to get rid of him in that situation i don't think he was probably that bad but i can still agree with wanting to get rid of him but we can't trade him for david johnson and a second and a fourth Washed up running back into eh, picks. They ain't going to do it. Arguably the number one receiver in the entire NFL and at least top three wide receiver in the NFL in DeAndre Hopkins. You cannot trade him for literal peanuts. He's a two-first type of player. There's very few players in the league like that, and he's one of them. He catches any ball thrown to him during the seasons where the Texans had a revolving door of of uh, quarterbacks. DeAndre Hopkins' uh, 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 output, like his his stats, his numbers, his his everything, did not change. He was the only real consistent thing other than JJ Watt, who wasn't even on the field those years. So <laughs> he was the only consistent thing. Um. But I, I, as as any Texans fan does, or as any football or sports fan does, you start coming up with excuses. You start trying to 
sorry, I had a major brain fart. Rationalizing. You start rationalizing uh, decisions that are made. So I I go, I'm like, all right, all right. I give, I, I'll give O'Brien one last chance. This is the, this year, you know, Deshaun Watson should play ball. He should ball out. This is his second legitimate full year playing. Like, like, let's, let's, let's go. Let's do this. Let's not try and change up too much stuff this late in the off season. Let's run it back. And then four games in rejoice, right? Bad man is gone. He can't hurt us anymore. Bill O'Brien's out of there. But unfortunately, there was another bad man in Houston. And his name is Jack Easterby. Now, there was a, there were multiple, actually, multiple Sports Illustrated articles done on this man. On, on how in the world did he get into the position that he got into with the Houston Texans, right? And also just like some of like the shady things he was doing, like, uh, Again, reportedly and allegedly by Sports Illustrated, which I take as a credible news source, uh, saying that he was stalking players to try and get blackmail on them for to make sure that they don't talk or something like it. Crazy, crazy stuff involving outside of football operations, but within football operations, they're like so in 2009 when he was part of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. On his little bio thing, it said that he served as an assistant to the director of operations with the NFL's Jacksonville Jaguars, right? In 2015, with the Patriots, his bio read, gained his first professional experience in 2005 with the Jacksonville Jaguars as the assistant director of operations. A little bit different, right? Going from an assistant, which is basically a glorified intern, to the director of operations, to being the assistant director of operations. And then, in 2019, the bio on Houston Texans read, the assistant director of football operations. Again, all of these are describing his title in Jacksonville, for the Jaguars in 2005, when this man was 21 years old, there is no way that a 21-year-old is going to be the assistant director of football operations. There is no chance. Zero. With no other football experience in particular. Exactly. This was his first football experience, was going to Jacksonville. They literally stated in every single one of the bios, his first NFL experience. His first professional experience. And then you're just going to go be a team chaplain at in New England? Like, you're going to take that far of a step down? Something's fishy. Yeah, and then on top of that, in 2020, the media guide for the Houston Texans changed their story to gained his first NFL experience in the summer of 04 with the Jacksonville Jaguars, helping in football operations and public relations. Uh, 
They didn't say, oh, whoops, we made a mistake. No, they just were like, oh, let's sweep this under the rug. Let's just reword it and hope nobody notices. Well, too bad, Houston. People noticed. People took notice to that, okay? So let's also describe some other things that Jack Easterby has been specifically, and again, in the Sports Illustrated article, in, in, in within, I believe there's three of them, they describe on how he was integral to the DeAndre Hopkins trade, the Jadavion Clowney trade, and the Laramie Tunsil trade slash deal, right? So let's just look at the Clowney trade just real quick. I'm going to briefly look over this. So the Texans got Martin, who was decent, Mingo, who was who's not even on the team anymore, and a third-round pick for a first-overall pick in Jadavion Clowney. Now, I know he wasn't first overall pick like production wise but he was still he was still good like he was was good on the texans yeah i mean he's he's everybody's thinking of him how he's been since he left the texans when he was on the texans he he had the potential to be a special player and he just he, he just needs somebody else on the other side to help him with which jj watt did that and it and it's no shame some people need another elite person on the other side that's better than them not everyone can be that that number one dude. Jadavion Clowney is a solid second dude. So you should at least be able to get a first or maybe even like a couple of day twos out of that. Not one third round pick and two trash players. It's pretty bad. And then the Laramie Tunsil deal blows my mind. Two firsts, one second, and Davenport. Right, is what is what we give up to Miami get Laramie. Yeah. to get Laramie, and then we pay the man three year, sixty six million dollar contract, which easily makes him the most expensive left tackle in all of football. Most expensive lineman, <laughs> not just um, left tackle. No, one hundred percent. And on and on top of that, in twenty twenty, he was also one of the most penalized. To, uh, uh, offensive lineman in the league. So I really wasn't happy about that. But also, so looking at what that 26th overall pick could have been for the Houston Texans in 2020, right? Patrick Queen was still on the board. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was still on the board. T. Higgins was still on the board. And Pittman was still on the board at 26. And you got Laramie Tunzel instead. For that and, just one first. For just the one first. That's and not then even the first second, this year. Yeah, and then the <laughs> second first this year, 2021. I mean, if 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 we had kept that pick and gotten any one of these four dudes, I mean, I don't know if we would have been the the third worst team. But even if we were still the third let's say we're the sixth worst team, okay? So the sixth overall pick. Because, I mean, one of these players is not going to fix that entire defense and everything that oh, happened no. this season. So let's say we're the sixth worst team. Let's say we win one or two more games, right? Still, Sewell, who immediately fixed the left tackle situation, where you could have just gotten a bandage for it for the last couple of years, or even still used a Davenport for the last couple of years. So Sewell, Pitts, Chase, Slater, I can go on. There's multiple people that the Texans could have gotten at number six overall. especially with so many people going after quarterbacks in this draft, they could have traded back 
gotten more picks and still have gotten an elite player. So that's one that so so those are the three major uh, well and the D, the D, the D hop trade that I already explained earlier. Those were the three major deals that that Jack Easterby had direct influence into because their resources that the Sports Illustrated people got and the two people who did who did these articles, their name are Jenny Vrentis and Greg Bishop. Great articles, by the way. I highly recommend reading them. They are super in-depth. That's a long read, though. I will say that's a long read. But very, very, very good and very, very informing. Their resources state that Jack Easterby has major pull in the decisions of the Houston Texans. I mean, how can you not when you go from Team Chaplin to basically the GM, the interim GM? Like it's insane. And another thing was is that now this is this is a more of an a quote unquote kind of conspiracy thing, but it it, it holds some weight. So hear me out. So before Jackie Street got there, I don't know if ever, if most people remember, but O'Brien, Bill O'Brien, was a players coach. A lot of people liked Bill O'Brien. But then Jackie Easterby gets in there, and now all of a sudden things are a little muddled up. And I personally think, again, this is personally, I have no actual evidence of this, except for the fact that once Easterby got in there, Bill O'Brien was no longer a player's coach. And the reason why I think that happened was that Jackie Easterby probably influenced Bill O'Brien, because, I mean, Jackie Easterby probably knew Bill O'Brien personally, because they were both on the Patriots at the same time. That he wanted Bill O'Brien to act more like Bill Belichick because Jack Easterby was too used to being the guy that the players went to when adversary things were happening. And he wanted to be that guy. And he wanted to be that guy here in Houston. Well, that if that is what happened, that completely destroyed the dynamic of what the players had with the coach. Now, the players no longer respect or trust the coach. So it was way more damaging than good. For Jack, even for Jack Easterby. And then continuing on to the man who hired Jack Easterby in Cal McNair. Now, this first thing I'm going to bring up, I fully understand his father was still alive. But it, it happened a year before Bob McNair's death. You there's there's no way Cal McNair didn't hold some or didn't wasn't taking over the responsibilities of ownership of the Texans for the last couple of years before Bob McNair died. He's probably been the acting owner for since 2015. Like let's be honest. Yeah, Bob McNair died in twenty eighteen. I mean, Cal McNair has been taking over for a while. We've seen precedents with other teams. It, you know, Stephen Jones is taking over the Cowboys slowly. So, I mean, it's the same thing. Exactly. It, it just happens. Like, the owner gets older, and they leave it to their son or daughter or whatever, right? But moving on. So, in 2018, we had this fantastic GM in Rick Smith. Fantastic. Basically, think of any major Texans player that has ever played for the Texans. Yeah, Rick Smith got them. 
either through draft or free agency, Rick Smith got them. He had been their GM almost since the beginning. There was one person before him, but Rick Smith has basically been the GM, had been the GM for the Texans, I think it was like since like 2005 to 2018. Don't don't quote me on the beginning year. I'd have to relook it up. But he he was there for a long time. And in 2018, Rick Smith's wife unfortunately fell ill. So Rick Smith asked for a leave of absence for the Texans so that he could attend to his sick wife. It's a reasonable request. The Texans then, through some shenanigans with, I think it was with like Brian Gaines and Bill O'Brien, they ended up convincing Cal McNair to let Rick Smith just go completely. And Rick Smith's wife actually ended up dying. Like... How heartless do you have to be to, like, let somebody go like that just because their wife is dying? He had done nothing wrong. He's the the reason why the Texans even had J.J. Watt or Deshaun Watson or Jadavion Clowney or even back then Andre Johnson and and, uh, Arian Foster and literally any big name Texan. Rick Smith got them. He had them set up for a Super Bowl run. That's what he had done. Three three years ago, the Texans were on the top of a list, I think made by ESPN or some it was some sports site I saw that had the Texans as listed as one of the the top teams to win a Super Bowl out of the teams who had not won a Super Bowl yet. And now and now the Texans are probably dead last. The Browns are going to win a Super Bowl before the Texans. Jaguars might too. And, and <laughs> sorry, yes, that was the Jaguars a, also blow. might win a Super Bowl before the Texans. Yeah, that is very possible. But moving on, so Cal McNair brought in Jack Easterby, right? And and another thing about the Jack Easterby thing with DeAndre Hopkins is that this is this is one of the first times that they kind of went behind everyone's back and Deshaun Watson noticed because Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, they were like this. They both went to Clemson. They were bros and they just shipped out his boy and, De- and Deshaun Watson found out through social media. You think Joe Montana or... or uh, um, Jerry Rice. Or, or, uh, I was going to say, or the other 49ers quarterback. I can't remember. Oh, Steve, Steve Young. Steve Young, yeah. Do you think Joe Montana or Steve Young would have been notified through the newspaper or through whatever social media means back then that Jerry Rice got traded? No. No, the ownership and the GM of the 49ers would have talked to either one of those before they First. traded Jerry Rice. Yeah, they would have asked him, hey, is this okay? Yeah. And they probably would have vetoed it. <laughs> yeah. And, and and not saying that Deshaun Watson is at that level, but but at the same time, when Jerry Rice would have gotten traded would have been in the beginning of uh, Young's career. So similar. So it would have been similar, exactly. I, again, I'm not comparing Deshaun Watson to Steve Young or or Joe Montana. 
He has not had a long enough career to even come close to comparing them yet. I get it. But moving on. So, Calvin McNair then, after, after this terrible, terrible 2020 season, right? After this terrible season, he then, he hires Jimmy Johnson, Tony Dungy, Andre Johnson, Spurs CEO R.C. Bufford, and Rod Graves, former NFL executive, and a firm known as Corn Ferry to give him a list of candidates, a final finalist list of candidates for the GM and head coaching position. The two people on every single list for the GM position were Lewis Riddick from ESPN and Omar Khan, the Steelers' uh, VP of Football Operations. And here's the kicker. Reported by, now again, reported by Pro Football Focus, but again, another reputable news source. Cal McNair had offered Omar Khan the job. Omar Khan had accepted the job. And they were about to do the final touches on everything, right? And then here comes strolling in Jack Easterby, convincing Cal McNair to get his boy, Nick Casario. Cal McNair hires Nick Casario instead of Omar Khan directly because of Jack Easterby, again, as reported by Pro Football Focus. But that, I mean, I'm willing to trust Pro Football Focus. And I could see that happen. And so, and then the cherry on top of all of this was is that Cal McNair had specifically gone to Deshaun Watson after the season. Deshaun Watson did not go to him first. It is reported that Cal McNair went to Deshaun telling him that he was going to have say in the GM and head coaching search. And Deshaun replied back, saying that all he wanted was to be able to talk to all the finalists and give his opinion as a player. Now, that's not so much to ask, especially when the owner is telling you that you're going to have say. That's an important distinction. That's what you got to remember. He was yeah. not he was not throwing his weight around trying to get it. Yeah, Deshaun Watson wasn't trying to, to, to do it. Like, he just was like, yeah, I would love to give you my opinion as a player. Let me talk to the finalists. Easy, right? No, apparently not not easy enough for for Cal McNair and Jack Easterby because I'm assuming Jack Easterby wanted the deal with Nick Casario to be done like that. So guess what? It was done like that because it's because Jack Easterby gets what he wants apparently. And Before any other GMs even get hired across the league, Nick Casario gets hired. No, the exactly. First one. Nobody else gets hired yet. And so, once again, Deshaun is finding out a major, major deal slash change in in the Texans organization through social media. Deshaun Watson doesn't like being lied to. Now, I'm not going to get too much into the allegations and all of that. I, I will touch on it briefly later. But taking that out of the equation... Deshaun Watson, as a football player, did not like being lied to. And I can I can fully understand that. Like, it makes sense. 
uh, that you no longer feel like you can trust or play for um, for somebody who has lied to your face. Especially someone at the tippity-top, basically yeah. the owner in Cal McNair. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so he then wants to be traded. So because also the Texans have been doing this weird thing with the head coaching search. They had, they've been talking to, like, random people that didn't even matter. Uh, I can't even remember half of the people. Leslie that... Frazier to be one. Well, no, Leslie Frazier guys... ended up being one of the finalists. Yeah, I know, but they're just talking to randos, basically. No, yeah. Like, not on anyone else's list. Frazier's not a finalist for anyone else. Exactly, exactly. But, yeah, so, but then, you know, they, they, they don't get Eric Bieniemy. They They don't even talk to Robert Sala. And I don't think they even talked to Brian DeBall either, which I don't I don't know why if you're going to Buffalo, why you don't pick Brian DeBall. Nothing against Leslie Frazier. I think he's a great defensive coordinator, but I don't know if he can I mean, you can say the situation in Minnesota was his was was not his fault and yada yada, but not getting into like Leslie Frazier being a head coach, but still Brian DeBall is definitely a he he's a better prospect to be a head coach than Leslie Frazier. So if you're going to Buffalo, why not? Why why not talk to Brian DeBall? You can talk to both of them if you want. No, yeah, but, I mean, feel free, but like, why not Brian? Doesn't make any sense. But here is one final thing about the coaches, right? So Leslie Frazier, one of the head coach finalists, Casario. And Easterby, all three of them are Bob Lamont clients, which Bob Lamont is a is an agency that that. Uh, well, he's an NFL represents. agent with his own agency. Yeah, 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 and he he represents people <clears throat> in the league, mostly coaches and executives. I think he like three players, but they're all they're not in the NFL. Um, yeah, and also I thought I had read early like months ago. That David Coley was also a Bob Lamont client, but apparently I, I couldn't find it anywhere anymore. Maybe he dropped or something, because I could have sworn that he was a Bob Lamont client. But I, I couldn't find it, so I'm not going to report it as true. I'm just going to report what I remember seeing, and that I, I expect that he probably just dropped it to not look so sus. Or I could have... I could be misremembering and just in my heat of rage of previously in the offseason, just misremembered. But moving on, so they're all Bob Lamont clients. So that means they're all buddies, right? Jackie Easterby, uh, uh, Nick Casario are buddy, 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 buddies, right? And so that is a, a clear, a clear connection there that, and, and a clear kind of, cons- uh, um, not conspiracy, but a clear, connection, not just connection, but a clear, uh, interference to the way that the Texans need to be ran, you know, unbiased. It, it, it's a clear conflict. And it's such a clear conflict that a lot of, of the front office people left, including Jamie Roots, the former president of the Houston Texans. Now, presidents don't get fired. 
unless if they're losing money, which is, I mean. Pretty rare. Pretty yeah. hard to do in the NFL. Yeah. So, Jamie Roots basically had that job for the rest of his life if he wanted. He left because he, he, he couldn't stand Cal McNair not picking Omar Khan or Lewis Riddick. He, he, basically, he basically came out and said that he couldn't believe that Cal McNair didn't, didn't listen to the people that he spent so much money on, which he spent probably close to $2 million. It is reported that he spent a million on the agency and then hundreds of thousands to each of the other five people. So probably close to $2 million. And just threw their recommendations out the window. And, and yeah, and just... Gone. As the guy in charge of money for the president, he looks at that and he goes, this is not being run well. I can't I can't be party to this. I gotta get out of here. And, and hadn't he, he been there since the beginning? Uh, I don't... I don't remember he was there since the beginning, but he'd been there for a long time as well. And 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 on top of that, Jack Easterby. It, it also came out that Jack Easterby had convinced Jamie Roots to not leave right when all of the stuff was going on in January with Deshaun Watson wanting to leave. He waited a month and then was just all like, "All right, this this fire still isn't like calm down. I'm st- I'm just I'm just going to I'm just going to peace out now." So that's what happened with Jamie Roos. So the, a, a person close to the McNair family and, and heavily involved in the Texans organization left on their own free will because of everything that is going on. And it's just it's it's very, very frustrating as as a as a fan of this city and as a fan of the Houston Texans, as I was, to see them fall so far, and and to pick somebody like David Coley as a head coach, he's sixty five years old, has never had an offensive coordinator, has never had a coordinator job. Period. Hasn't ever progressed higher than a wide receiver coach, and got a assistant head coach title, which is, if you're over the age of 60 and you're not a coordinator, you basically get an assistant head coach title. You've been coaching for like 40 years. Yeah. So. Like, I mean, it. like, I get it, but at the same time, it doesn't really mean anything. It's not an actual achievement. This means you've been around the block a few times. You can yeah, advise. Yeah, and I'm sure he knows a lot, and I'm sure he can teach. I'm sure. But at the same time, like, if no one else has ever given him a chance to be head coach, I don't know why... The Texans should, but they settled because nobody else wanted the job. Why would you want to touch that job? Yeah, especially with, without Deshaun Watson, which they consistently lied about, saying that Deshaun Watson was all on board. David Coley saying that Deshaun Watson, I'm here because Deshaun Watson is here. Propaganda. And then let's unfortunately move on to Deshaun Watson. I was going to follow Deshaun Watson wherever he went as a fan. I was going to follow him. And you can ask Joel, even before this season, he had asked me if it was was right around after they traded DeAndre Hopkins. It was right around after they traded DeAndre Hopkins. Um, he, he had asked me that if the Texans decided to trade Deshaun Watson and do a full rebuild, would I, would I follow Deshaun? And I said, no, 
I mean, if they're just trading him to get capital and rebuilt and try and, and oh, rip, like, we have this great capital in this quarterback. Might as well, you know, try and get something Maximum. for him. Rebuild, yeah. redo. Like, we screwed up doing Bill O'Brien. Let's do another experiment. All that kind of jazz, right? I, I would have stayed as a Texans fan. It's it's this level of dysfunction that is making me leave. And if these things get fixed, I can revisit being a fan of the Houston Texans again. They may never be my number one team, but I can revisit being a fan of the Texans because I love the city of Houston, like I said earlier. I love Houston so much. It actually pains me to not be a Texans fan. It actually hurts. It's a part of him. He still says we whenever he's talking about the I, Texans. I've literally still. been saying we this entire video. Yeah. But, so I was going to follow Deshaun, right? And then obviously these allegations came out. And again, I, I like I said, I'm just going to touch on it. I'm not going to give my opinion because nowhere near all of the information is out. There still is a lot more to come out and a lot more that needs to happen before anyone should be making any final decisions on this. Unless if you know Deshaun Watson or any of those women personally, there, there, there shouldn't be any people having a hard stance one way or another. At least that's my opinion. I mean, I guess I gave an opinion on it, but I didn't give an opinion on, on which, which way I'm leaning because I'm not leaning any way. But his his uh, attorney, Harding, did come out recently and he did state that at the bare minimum, Deshaun Watson did have sexual relationships with some of the massage therapists that he had had throughout the last couple of years. Well, I don't I don't think that that is necessarily a bad thing. What the, the, the bad part is, is that he has a girlfriend. A he's had a girlfriend, girlfriend for, I think, two years now. I think they were going on two Something years. Like that. That's the bad part. Morally, he could no longer, even now, even if he can prove his innocence in, in, in the allegations, there is no way he can be my favorite player anymore because of that. Because I cannot morally agree with that. So, no matter what now... There is no way I'm following Deshaun to wherever he goes. There is zero chances of that happening because at the bare minimum, like I said, he cheated slash had an affair on his girlfriend, which shouldn't ruin his career. But also, he's not going to be my favorite player anymore. He just can't be. Um, And since I casted such a wide net... In the beginning when I was originally going to follow Deshaun. It's been very hard for me to pick one team. Because I opened up my mind so much. And was going to allow an outside source to make the decision for me. So I wasn't prepped to make the decision for myself. Now... I can talk about a couple of the teams very quickly because I don't want this video to be too much longer, but just very quickly so that you all understand where, where I'm coming from. A couple of teams that I'm looking at becoming uh, a fan of next are the Ravens, the Saints, the Bills, the Cardinals, and the Browns. Now, 
with all five of those teams, <clears throat> I know the Ravens and Browns are in the same division, so it's weird, but I have followed each of those teams and have rooted for each of those teams to some extent throughout me being a football fan. It's true. Majorly, recently, and for a long time, the Ravens have been my number two team. So I'm not going to lie, I am leaning heavily Ravens. But, uh, like I said, since I casted at such a wide net, I'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around and really figure out what team, what, what, what team I can just go full on, full fandom. Like, w- once I, and by the way, once I pick the team, there, there's going to be stuff on this wall. There, there is going to be that team on this wall. 100%. Because I, 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 when I get into a fandom, I get into it. And I stay. I hate that I have to leave the Texans for my own well-being. Almost. Like, I, I, I was physically ill in some of the games last year and throughout this offseason. I have been physically ill at, at points because of this. And I cannot, and I will not, allow myself to settle for mediocrity or settle for a team that is settling for mediocrity. And it's so dysfunctional. Almost more dysfunctional than the 1993 Houston Oilers. (laughs) Which I don't know if you see a pattern, but Houston teams tend to not be so functional. But in closing... To wrap all of this up, there have been many things that have happened over the past couple of years that have come to light as of as of late to highlight the very, 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 very sus things that the Texans have done, and almost all of them boil down to Jack Easterby. And Cal McNair will not fire Jack Easterby for some unknown reason. Now, I'm not going to get into conspiracy talks and say why such and such, X and X. I, I I have no evidence of anything, but there, there is some reason that Cal McNair refuses to fire Jack Easterby. And I cannot understand why. He has done nothing but bad things for this organization. And he has been behind every terrible trade and every terrible deal we have done for the past two years since he was hired in, I believe, July of 2019. It was it was early 2019. It was in the... Or June. Whatever. It was, it was in the first half of 2019. But yeah, but... I also want to let all of you know that, like I have said multiple times throughout this video, I am a fan of Houston. I stand by you guys. I I don't think any less of Texans fans who are still Texans fans. I get it. I do. I really do. And I'm mostly making this video to highlight these things and maybe by some grace of God or something... That this can change. And it can get better for the Texans. And there can be that bright hope again. I do truly wish for that. 
Do I think it's going to happen? No, unfortunately, which is another driving force as to why I will not be a Texans fan anymore, or at least I will not root or support the Texans anymore because they don't deserve it. They don't deserve anybody's support at this moment in time. And the really the saddest thing is, is that I just, I never in my wildest dreams would have ever have thought it would have come to this. Yeah, and, and I, I, I am so flabbergasted. I am so hoodwinked. I am blindsided. I am all those things. But yes, that is going to be the angry ex-Texans fan rant. Um, I hope that you all learned something or at least enjoyed yourselves watching me lay my heart out as, uh, basically for the Texans. I this is this is this was a big part of me. I had been a fan since about like 2007, 2008, right around when like Schaub was the quarterback for the Texans. So I I have struggled with you guys. I I I was right there with you guys. Maybe not in the very beginning, but it's only because I just wasn't really a big Texans fan earlier on in my life or a big football fan earlier on in my life there you go yeah but yes that that is all please leave your comments if you liked hated what i what i had to say it, uh, what team you think i should pick if anyone has any preferences but sell me on your team if your team is one of those five teams go for it um and until next time i'm lee and I'm Joel, and and this is Two Nerd Sports, and I am very sad, and we are, we are out of here. You all have a great rest of your night, and like I said, see you next time.